matter what hour your clock strikes here, it's always Halloween. And I'm always your haunted host, Luce Tomlin Brenner. Welcome to Small Frights Friday. On these very special episodes, I like to share a curated collection of calls from the All Hallows Hotline and letters from the Eek mailbag. Do you have a Halloween query or memory that you would like to share? Call the All Hallows Hotline at 802-532-DEAD. Or you can write an eek mail to it's always Halloween podcast at gmail.com. This episode of It's Always Halloween is brought to you by our Patreon Ghoul Gang, who help fund the production of every single episode and keep us ad free, independent, and sustainable. Ah, what gorgeous ghouls they are! So huge, horrifying thank yous to our newest patrons, Courtney and Halloween Variant. Welcome to the Ghoul Gang. I deeply appreciate your help in funding this podcast and my livelihood. Deadlyhood? Deadly livelihood? When you become a patron of It's Always Halloween, you'll receive bonus goodies like community Discord access, film screenings and discussions, and bonus episodes. Here's a look at what is coming up in our community this month. First, on January 17th, Grim Turn Nathan and I will be doing Kitchen Witch live from our Instagram, which is at It's Always Halloween Podcast. It will be in Nathan's kitchen for the last time because Nathan is moving further up north and I won't be able to regularly drop in on him to cook together anymore. So if you enjoy our Kitchen Witch lives, which you can see even if you're not a patron, please make sure you tune in for this next one on Tuesday, January 17th at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And we're going to make an actual witch-themed recipe of his choosing. So when you sign up for the $3 a month level for Kitchen Witch, you get the monthly recipes to cook along with us. And then you also get that Discord access so that you can chat about all kinds of subjects, not just limited to spooky things in Halloween with your fellow lanterns. So tune in, no matter who you are, to Kitchen Witch Live on January 17th. And if you want to get the recipe and make some spooky food along with us, sign up for that $3 a month level. Next up, uh, we have our book club selection this month. Our book club meeting is January 31st. And this month, patrons voted on the books and movies that they wanted to dive deeper into this year. And in major numbers, ghouls voted to read Practical Magic by Alice Hoffman this month. I'm absolutely ecstatic because I adore this movie. It's one of the main go-tos that I have to watch at least twice every calendar Halloween season, but I've just never had the chance to read the book. So reading it as a group, like our own little coven, I think will be extra magical. Plus, 
our podcast chapter on witches begins in two weeks. So I think reading Practical Magic as a little extra will be a perfectly cozy addition. This month, I'm actually going to do a bonus movie screening after our book club meeting so that we can read the book and then enjoy the adaptation and kind of discuss it all as one living, breathing entity. So that all will take place on January 31st. Our official movie parties this month are on Saturday, January 21st and Sunday, January 29th. The most popular films on our poll this month uh, was Clue and The Phantom of the Paradise. So uh, Clue will watch on January 21st at 5 p.m. and Phantom of the Paradise on Sunday 29th at 5 p.m. Pete and Nathan are going to be joining the Clue screening and costume designer Emma Kogan from our Exploring Halloween Costumes episode last October is going to join the Phantom of the Paradise screening from Portland. I'm excited to have our special guests at our screenings this month. If you have not been to movie parties before, each movie party kicks off with a specially curated 30-minute pre-roll show made up of videos that fit the evening's theme, followed by a 15-minute video presentation of detailed yet playful film history, trivia, and analysis. Fellow ghouls will contribute their knowledge or questions in the chat, and I answer all the questions I can and then get the film started. And then throughout, anyone who wants to can chat in the sidebar during the live stream. And after the movie ends, I hop back on video to do a wrap-up discussion. Everyone just contributes what they want. No pressure to share or chat. Just feel free to come and watch and imbibe in some good company and cozy Halloween-themed films. Our $10 a month level gets you access to our movie parties and $16 a month gets you movie parties and our bonus episodes. Visit patreon.com slash it's always Halloween to learn more and sign up. You can also support the podcast by buying merch from our Redbubble where we have tees, notebooks, stickers, prints, mugs, all kinds of things with our logo on it. Or you can order a copy of our Halloween made in collaboration with Joe Carlo from Displaced Snail. As always, links to everything can be found in our show notes, along with links that correspond to the topics that we discuss on today's episode. Now, what is that I hear? That jingling tone rattling my bones. Oh, it's a call from the All Hallows Hotline. Hi, Luce. This is Andrew Michael from uh, Pennsylvania, and I'm just calling in because, first of all, fantastic podcast. I absolutely love what you're doing, and it's uh, it's very comforting to me, especially around this time of year when it's a little colder and a little darker earlier, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a great comfort. So thank you so much for continuing to foster this community. Um, I'm not completely caught up yet, so if this has already been talked about, feel free to just discard, and I'll call in about another topic. That's totally fine. But uh, I just wanted to kind of uh, do a little promotion for uh, someone that uh, is an amazing artist, and I figured you and people who listen would really appreciate, too. She is an independent artist in California. Her name is Kristen Lawrence, and she creates something called 
the Halloween carols. I discovered her music when I was about like 13 years old, roughly. Um, I had a friend who had a CD of hers who they uh, gave me a copy of for a first, her first album, A Broom with a View, and I looked into her, and basically I just fell in love with everything she did. She is an incredible organist who creates her own music, all to, like, be, like, the really classy and haunting and ethereal, like, Halloween carols. That's how she brands them, as the Halloween carols, because she said she was inspired by the fact that when it was Christmas time, people would, you know, grab... Bing Crosby and all these classics for Christmas, but there wasn't anything that was specifically, quote unquote, a Halloween carol. And so she went out and created them. And she is a fantastic vocalist, fantastic writer, and all around just a fantastic musician. And uh, I just uh, wanted to kind of give her a little bit of a shout out on here, if that's allowed, uh, because I just, I really appreciate her. She's an extremely nice person and extremely talented, and she is fantastic at keeping the Halloween spirit alive for me when it's not the month of October, or if we're talking about the uh, pre-month from August to September, which I totally agree with, that that is also part of the Halloween uh, season. Yeah, so again, thank you so much. Um, check her out, maybe. Uh, she's fantastic, and uh, so are you, and I hope you have a wonderful day, and uh, I, Merry Christmas. Merry Halloween. Merry Krampus. Okay, thank you. Andrew Michael, hello, and thank you for that incredible call and fantastic recommendation. First off, I am thrilled that the podcast is bringing you such comfort. It brings me such comfort. I absolutely adore getting to hear from people from all over the world, from Pennsylvania. When I lived in the Midwest and the East Coast, I used to enjoy driving through the hills of Western Pennsylvania, especially in the fall, when you'd see those gorgeous valleys of greens and golds and reds and orange. Ooh. The perfect fall drive through Western Pennsylvania. I miss it. Thanks for bringing those memories back for me. And yes, you are definitely allowed to shout out independent artists. It's Always Halloween is all about independent artists. It is my goal to platform people and bring attention to everyone in the spooky community who is making art, contributing beautiful things for us to enjoy that encourages our celebration of the season and I had never heard of Kristen Lawrence before and I had such a ball on her website reading all about her love for Halloween and listening to her music I could definitely see her work becoming a regular part of my calendar Halloween celebrations and lanterns you have to check her out because I know a lot of you are going to get a kick out of what she's doing. It's so unique. It's unreal. I haven't really heard anything like it before. She's so wildly talented. But listen, don't take it from me or Andrew Michael, but respect the words of Keyboard Magazine. I did not know that keyboards had their own magazine, so I love that. And Keyboard Magazine says, if the Halloween town of Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas had a resident keyboardist, it would be Kristen Lawrence. Wow, high praise to be thought of as the one human 
that could traverse Halloween Town and be lauded instead of ripped up into tiny pieces or thrown to Oogie Boogie. Okay, I think you guys are really going to appreciate the album titles here. Andrew Michael mentioned A Broom with a View. Very fun. There's also Halloween, Night of Spirits, and Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven, plus Sleepy Hollow, Love is Scary. This one's really cool. She wrote and recorded it in 2020 to commemorate the 200th anniversary of the publication of Washington Irving's The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. And Kristen sings the famously loved story by setting her original lyrics to a traditional folk tune known as When Johnny Comes Marching Home and arranging the accompaniment as an organ duet. I thought this song was perfect since we just had a deep dive into the legend of Sleepy Hollow recently, so I wanted to play a little snippet of it for you here, and then the link will be in the show notes so you can listen to the entire song yourself. Oh heart, was the side of specters and reverie and legends like Major Andrew's tree for the old Dutch wives say spirits appear once I also wanted to share a little bit of what Kristen wrote on her website about how much she loves Halloween and how it inspired her creatively because when I was reading her story, it just reminded me so much of many of you and the stories that you call in and write in about. And I really feel like Kristen is like a long last lantern and I'm hoping maybe I can reach out to her and get her on a future episode. So listen to what she has to say about how Halloween has inspired her work. In the fall of 1995, I studied a semester in Vienna, Austria. It was there that my desire to track Halloween through time and culture really began to bud. Though most Halloween history comes from the British Isles, the common threads of forest folklore carried my thoughts into Austria. I took frequent walks through the enchanting Vienna woods, which inspired many Halloween ponderings, and I later based some of the carols on my experience there. While in Vienna, I began my practice of asking locals about their Halloween or Day of the Dead or All Saints Day, All Souls Day celebrations, if they had any. I do this in every country I visit. It fascinates me. Okay, I have to pause here. Are Kristen and I the same person? I've barely left America, but still, I think we're long-lost sisters. Something to think about. Okay, back to you, Kristen. I wondered why I like Halloween so much. I wondered where it came from and imagined the celebrations of earlier cultures. That's when I started to collect Halloween-related materials from the library. I like getting lost deep in the belly of the library where it's quiet and you're alone and you have the luxury of losing track of time. I made two research folders full of fascinating gatherings to start my quest. I graduated in organ performance in 2001 and then put my personal Halloween studies in the forefront, knowing I wanted to do something with Halloween history and music. I wrote songs about cats, pumpkins, old Halloween superstitions from the British Isles, trick-or-treating, and so forth. 
but the Cohesive Carols project didn't occur to me until one afternoon in September 2004 when I played the organ for a funeral. Maybe it was the dead being the focus of attention or the autumn equinox being only a week away, but I found myself going directly home to the piano and writing four Halloween rounds inspired by the aforementioned Ghost of John. Ghost of John wasn't brought back into my life until a ride home from the beach with friends in 2002. Have you heard the Ghost of John? Long white bones and the rest all gone? Oh, wouldn't it be chilly with no skin on? Just one verse and a simple tune, and it was enough to nearly hypnotize me. I went home and played around with it on the piano for a long time until I had my fill. It was really a feast for me. Pure brain and heart pleasure. That Halloween 2002, I taught it to two friends, and the three of us went trick-or-treating singing the Ghost of John at every doorstep. People loved it, and it sure sweetened them up to give some Halloween candy to 23-year-olds. While singing from porch to porch, I made an inner vow that one year from that night, I would put on a big Halloween concert at my home. So a year went by with my face in the organ and piano writing and practicing. The 2003 Halloween concert was such a fun night with friends, friends' babies, piano students, and their parents all attending. There were pumpkin cookies, candy, homemade bread, soup, cider, and all kinds of other fall treats everywhere, with even a magical hanging donut garden in the backyard. I kept studying, writing, and as I mentioned, the project became clear after that funeral in 2004. That afternoon, Ghost of John came to haunt me, and I thought, why aren't there more Halloween rounds like this? We need more Halloween rounds. We need carols for Halloween. I've spent these recent years refining them and writing and writing and writing like a gopher burrowing in its blessed dirt. To date, I have over 150 Halloween carols and songs written and am arranging them to record over the course of several CDs. I hope to start a tradition of quality celebrating for this magical, enticing holiday. I hope more artists as well will write Halloween-specific music for us all to enjoy. My desire is that my Halloween carols, like Christmas carols, will appeal to all ages and make people happy. Did that not just sound like a banger of an eek mail? We got to track down Kristen Lawrence. It's not that hard. Her website has her contact information. <laughs> but thank you so much, Andrew Michael. This was such an awesome find. And I'm really excited to dig more into her work and hopefully connect with her one of these days. Okay. Speaking of the legend of Sleepy Hollow, I have an eek mail here with the subject line the Headless Horse Woman. Hi, Luce. I grew up in a pretty rural area. There are some disadvantages to that, especially when it comes to trick-or-treating, but one advantage was land was inexpensive enough that my family had the means to make every young girl's dream come true. I was lucky enough to own my own horse in my teens. This eek 
mail would be thrice as long if I went on about how much I loved Jack, my horse, so I'll just stick to the relevant story. After having him for a few years, I decided to try incorporating Jack into my Halloween costume. I went to Spirit Halloween and found the perfect Headless Horseman costume. Those costumes never include the pants and the boots. I doubt they actually expect someone to be up on a horse without a custom costume. Fortunately, I already had black joppers and riding boots. The inside of the cloak was bright red, so the black costume made a great silhouette in the dim light. I practiced riding in the costume. I could see just fine straightforward, but I had to turn my head to the left and to the right instead of just glancing. That was fine. I wouldn't be galloping, just trotting. I practiced riding at night, and I was still able to see well enough to ride. Of course, it helps that Jack is a living, thinking creature who can avoid obstacles and people on his own. It definitely wouldn't be safe to drive a car in this costume, but a horse is much smarter than a car. I carved a jack-o'-lantern head and practiced riding one-handed, holding up the pumpkin with the other hand, and it's a good thing I practiced before the big night because I quickly discovered that holding up a real pumpkin all night was not going to work. It was far too heavy. So I bought a foam pumpkin from the store and I carved that. I taped some tea lights to the inside to give it a great flickering candle look in the dark. When I practiced with this pumpkin, I knew I'd be able to hold it up for a long time while riding. I was ready. My house is rural and by horse, it's a fair distance to get to the actual town. It's a scenic ride, though, and I'm sure the passing cars got a kick out of seeing an actual headless horseman. <laughs> I rode into town because every year they have a Halloween parade. Everyone not in costume lines the streets to watch as everyone in costume walks down the street flanked by a fire truck at the front and back of the parading ghouls. I wasn't sure if I'd even be allowed in the parade with my horse, but if there was anyone in charge, they never said anything about it. Everyone was just impressed to see a real headless horseman, not just a headless costume with an implied horse, but a real horse with a headless rider. There were a lot of kids, so I rode very slowly for safety, and they were all impressed. Jack really enjoyed the attention. <laughs> Gosh, that's so cute. The parade takes place around dusk, which means my ride home was in the dark. I ran into some groups of trick-or-treaters on the way home who were shocked to suddenly see the headless horseman, horse and all, trotting out of the darkness and passed them down the street into the darkness again. Most were just impressed, but I do recall one person who was legitimately scared. Due to the costume hiding my face, no one ever knew that they actually encountered the Headless Horse Woman. Much love, Renee. Ah, Renee, I am going to be dining out on this story all year, if not longer. Um, num, 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 num. It's such a delicious fall feast. I love this story. You are so cool. I envy the fact that you had a horse 
it's so awesome that you made a costume around your horse, which leaves me with the question for all of the lanterns out there in Halloween land, how many of you have incorporated your pet or an animal in your life into your costume? I must know. And Renee, do you have any pictures? I would love to see you on Jack as the Headless Horsewoman. Way to spread the Halloween cheer around your community. It seems like you have touched the lives of dozens of people with that costume. And how cool would it be if one of them was listening and could call in and tell us what it was like to witness you. My God, such a great story. Thank you, Renee. Congrats on one of the greatest costumes ever. And now we have another fun eek mail that is related to The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. This one just has the subject line, Headless Horseman Costume. When I heard your Sleepy Hollow episode, I knew I had to write in about the time I dressed as the Headless Horseman for Halloween. I ordered the costume online, but when it arrived, it was pretty disappointing. So I took those lemons and used them as an ingredient in apple cider. <laughs> the next dump was structurally fine, but visually way too bright. So I repainted it myself, changing the bright red to dried blood red. It came with inflatable shoulder pads that wouldn't stay in place, so I made foam ones that held up the cloak and kept the neck stump at the top of my head. The see-through shirt over my face was fine, and I added a red vest from an old vampire costume to give it more definition. The important part, the reason I wanted to do this costume, was the plan I had for the head. I got a big fake pumpkin from the craft store and I carved a classic jagged mouth and triangle eyes. I glued flickering LED lights inside and carved a shallow recess into the inside between the eye holes where I glued my Bluetooth speaker. I tested it out and it worked. My friend John could call me and the call would go to the speaker, allowing him to be the voice of the head. I would carry the head around at trunk or treats, let kids hold it, and see that the voice really was coming from inside the head. John would keep his distance and hold conversations using his phone. For the young kids, it was magical. They didn't infer the technology and just saw a pumpkin talking to them. Older kids guessed how it worked instantly, but still thought it was pretty cool. On Halloween night, we took it to some of the big Halloween events in Los Angeles. We visited the big crowd at the Spadina Witch House in Beverly Hills, where someone ran up behind me and slapped me on the top of the head. Not very nice, but not terribly hard either. It didn't hurt. I'm sure they expected me to turn around, but instead, I stayed facing forward and whipped the pumpkin around to look at them. John had a better view of the group than I did, and as soon as I whipped it around, he screamed into the phone, WHICH ONE OF YOU THREE DID THAT?! They ran away laughing. We went to two great home haunts in Woodland Hills, Forest of Mirrors, which is sadly no longer in operation, 
and House at Haunted Hill, which as of 2022 is still in operation. Both drew big crowds for Halloween, and it was a great place to show off the costume and have some fun. Now that it was dark, the flickering lights really made the head look spooky. People loved playing keep away with my head for a while. No one kept it too long, though. It was all in good fun. Some kids even fed it candy. It would just fall through the hole in the bottom and John would say, My stomach's over there! <laughs> he got to make that joke a few times. One kid tried to toss me my own head and I missed the catch, so the head landed on the pavement, but luckily the glue held everything in place. It gave John the chance to joke that I can't see without my head. We finished off the night at a party of a friend. There were still some trick-or-treaters, so I was happy to take over door duty. We placed the head by the candy bowl, and John would have it tell kids to just take one. Just as we were hoping lots of the kids didn't listen, took more than one, which was my cue to shamble out of the bushes after them. As the head screamed, I said one! <laughs> and they would run away laughing. That costume sure made for some great memories. Have you ever done a costume with a technological component, Luce? Since you live in LA, as I used to, did you ever get to go to the Forest of Mirrors or the house at Haunted Hill? Thanks from Fred. Wow, Fred, this costume is so cool. And I love that you and Renee both wrote in with creative takes on the classic Headless Horseman costume. I'm going to make sure that Clark Silva from our special Legend of Sleepy Hollow episode checks in on this episode, and I would love to hear his thoughts on this take of the Headless Horseman. Really brilliant, and you took us on such a fantastic journey. I could really see you interacting with each of those groups, it almost felt like a short film. One night with the Headless Horseman and John of Los Angeles. <laughs> really clever, and I love that you had a friend who was into doing this with you. I have never had a costume with a technical aspect to it, and now you're making me wish I had. I've been thinking about this for weeks, ever since I first read your eek mail, and I think if money and time and skill <laughs> didn't matter, what I would do is build myself into one of those old-fashioned fortune-telling boxes, like the one that is shown in the Tom Hanks movie Big, and I would make myself the fortune teller, and I would have, you know, one of those plastic crystal balls that was whirling and swirling, and then I would talk to each person who like fed me, you know, a coin or whatever. I don't know. I don't have the whole thing worked out yet. They would like push a button on my costume, ask for a fortune, and I would have little fortune cards that I could like push out of a slot at them. Maybe that's not technological enough. I don't know. But you just had me thinking of really complex costumes, which is the opposite of what I try to do every year. What I typically do is I throw open my vintage clothes closet and I'm like, how can I reconfigure this into something new this year? 
<laughs> so I go literally super old and don't use anything from the now times. But you've inspired me. Maybe someday I'll take it a step further. I also have not been to those haunts. There are a ton of really good home haunts in Woodland Hills, but it's just far enough for me that I have not trekked all the way out that distance. My friends and I tend to do the home haunts in Burbank every year, and there's one called Rotten Apples that has been around for a long time. So we hit that one up every year, and then we always look up what the other ones are to do in the area. But I really do dream of going out to Woodland Hills and Santa Clarita and Northridge, a little further into the valley, there are a ton of home haunts, which are really cool. And home haunts are like a major Los Angeles tradition. So for people who don't have these in their town, it was not something I knew about before I moved here, but because so many of, uh, you know, the people in the industry, the entertainment industry are costumers and set designers and prop makers, and a lot of them live in the valley, and they turn their front yards, their backyards, their driveways into mini haunted houses that they build themselves, but they're really high quality and super DIY and fun. I know you guys out there listening would get such a kick out of it. So if you live in the SoCal area or anywhere that has DIY home haunts, I want to hear about your experiences, or if you're a home haunter, please call or write in because it's something, again, if I had the time and the money, I would love to do. I'm very envious of people who have that opportunity because it just seems super joyous and such a great way to entertain your community. Fred, thanks again for this eek mail. You told your story beautifully, and I commend you on your creativity and the way that you spread Halloween joy around Los Angeles. My kudos to John as well. You and Renee truly knocked it out of the park with these headless horsemen and headless horsewomen costumes. I would love to hear from anybody else who had a take that was outrageous like this. And please let us know if you're as technologically savvy as Fred is, and you have put together some amazingly complex and entertaining costume like he has. Our next call from the All Hallows Hotline is coming in all the way from the Netherlands. Hello, Luce. My name is Ben. Uh, I'm calling from the Netherlands, um, but I'm American, and uh, I've been wanting to call, but I just uh, started listening to your show this year. Actually, I listened once last year and then really got into it this year. Um, and wanted to wait till I caught up. However, I'm on an episode from oh, September from last year, I think, uh, when you talk about uh, Halloween in the DMV and that you live there. And then I thought, okay, I have to call now because I'm from the DMV and I'm from Tacoma Park. So right around the corner, probably from where you live. Uh, and I did not know about that pumpkin patch. And I'm definitely going to go there the next time that I go visit my family in October. Uh, and you mentioned another thing, uh, which is relevant to me, and that's about Halloween and kids. Uh, I'm a dad of two kids. My oldest is three, and the youngest one is one. 
Um, and my daughter, my the three-year-old, uh, this was her first Halloween this year. And Halloween's kind of a new thing in the Netherlands. Um, but it's always been my favorite holiday. And so it's really cool to me to see see it catching on here. Uh, in my neighborhood, there's not so much, but in a neighborhood close to where we live, um, friends of ours, their whole neighborhood is super active. And so we went there for Halloween and it was amazing. Everybody decorated the whole neighborhood, all their houses. Yeah, it was really cool. It was like my Halloween experience from my childhood. And it was so amazing, I really got emotional because, like, bringing my daughter there for her first Halloween and that everybody was so excited about it. I was so happy. And uh, I do want to share what her costume was. She, I asked her what she wanted to be, and she said she wanted to be a crocodile. So we gave her, like, a T-shirt, the, all stuff we found at the uh, secondhand store, uh, thrift shop, this word. <laughs> Uh, so we gave her like a, a green t-shirt, um, and green tights or something. And we made a little hat out of just, uh, construction paper with little, uh, a thing hanging off the front with all the teeth on it, which she cut out. Uh, and then we like stuck a piece of wire through this like freely lacy green thing that we found at the thrift shop as the tail. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of heavy and the tail kept falling off, but it was really cute. And she was so into it, and I hope that she will love it again next year. And, um, uh, yeah, I hope to call in again sometime soon, maybe once I'm caught up. Um, yeah, I've just been really enjoying the podcast, and it's really cool to hear all everyone how everyone is so excited about Halloween. Um and it's always been my favorite holiday, but I've never really done anything with it the rest of the year. Uh, and you're inspiring me to be a bit more Halloweeny the rest of the year. Uh, I even bought, even when I got my new phone a couple weeks ago, I bought a Halloween phone case and put a photo of my jack-o'-lantern on the home screen and the uh, lock screen. Um, that's actually pretty cool because I took a picture of the jack-o'-lantern when it was on as the lock screen, and then like a week or a couple of weeks later when it was all like melty and stuff, it looked really cool, and I put that as the home screen. Uh, maybe I'll share those sometime. Anyway, thank you so much for the podcast. Uh, please keep up the amazing work, and uh, yeah, I will keep listening. Bye. Ben, it is so wonderful to hear from you. I think that you're the first person that we've heard from from the Netherlands, although 1% of our listeners are in the Netherlands. In fact, we have listeners tuning in from 17 different cities. So it delights me to know that we are a tiny hit out there, and I loved learning that they do celebrate Halloween But I'm skipping over the part that's really exciting me, which is that you are from Tacoma Park, Maryland, which is one of my favorite places in America. I feel like I've had to have said this on the podcast before, but just in case I have not, I managed a video store in Tacoma Park for a few years called Video Americane. And so I'm very curious, Ben, if you ever rented movies from Video Americane. Um, 
It was a small chain. There were two in Baltimore as well, and one of the ones in Baltimore was in the film Serial Mom, which we screened uh, for It's Always Halloween's Patreon. Well, if not last year, then definitely the year before. Anyways, I love that you're having a good Halloween in the Netherlands, and the way that you described putting together your daughter's crocodile costume just warmed my handmade heart. I love that you just put together things that you had, that you that she was involved in like making the teeth. I think it's so great to have kids involved in making parts of their costumes. It's also such a fun way to celebrate Halloween together as a family. And it really made me happy to hear that the podcast has inspired you to be more Halloween-y all year round. It has done the same for me, really. And before I started the podcast, I thought I was pretty involved all year round. And no, I wasn't. Nothing like now. (laughs) So I inspire you. You all inspire me. The wonderful lantern porch that we have here constantly glowing inspires us all. So thank you so much for this call. And Ben also sent a follow-up eek mail with some more details. So I'm going to jump into that. He says, hello again, Luce and Pete. I just called the All Hallows hotline for a few minutes and I mentioned my jack-o'-lantern from this past Halloween. Here are the photos I used for my phone background. Also, since I'm sending photos anyways, I attached one of our front garden before all three of our jack-o'-lanterns were carved. You can see my daughter's jack-o'-lantern in the picture, which she drew on and I carved out. This was an extremely low-budget endeavor, I'm proud to say. The black spooky thing hanging in the tree was made from a small plastic toy bowling ball inside a piece of a trash bag inside a piece of black fabric from a thrift shop. The trash bag was to contain the ball so I could string a thread through the top to tow it to the tree. The sign that reads, welcome my friends, I also found at a thrift shop and thought it would be really creepy hanging on a stake in the garden. The bloody handprint on it was my extra spooky touch. The cobwebs strung up everywhere are literally just trash that I found lying in the grass left over from something the city was doing with the trees near our house. (laughs) Listening to the podcast this year helped me embrace the idea that you don't have to have really fancy or beautiful decorations to make something spooky, and I'm really happy with this result. Thanks again for listening and reading. Best wishes, Ben. Ben, I am obsessed with these pictures and I'm going to put them up on the Instagram so everyone can check them out. Very cool pumpkins, by the way. I really love the way how a rotting pumpkin looks even cooler. It's amazing how Halloween decorations can keep being more and more Halloween-y the worse they get (laughs) because they just get scarier and more distressing looking. It's awesome. (laughs) It's like the year that I was Courtney Love for Halloween, and the more smeared my makeup got, the better the costume looked. I really commend you for using the things that you found at thrift stores and just on the ground in your world to turn into Halloween decorations. I'm glad that the podcast inspired you to be more chill and more open-minded about just having a low-key, non-expensive, non-consumerist Halloween because 
you're really inspiring me with the idea that like any trash can just be turned into a Halloween decoration. Being okay with doing a lot with a little is a lesson that I think is very joyous to learn when we are constantly looking at social media, which is just filled with so much stuff to consume, stuff that kind of convinces your brain that you have to buy it and that you need it and all these other people have it. It's really kind of an act of like resistance against that consumer culture to be like, what is this? Old fishnet on the ground, it will become a spiderweb in my bush. And then to just be comfortable and okay with that and not have this like clawing monstrous need inside of you to go hoard things at home goods. It's very special to have a few things that you really care about or something that you make that you're proud of. And hey, if you have the means to just fill your house tip to toe with Halloween stuff, that's also awesome. It just shouldn't be, everyone shouldn't feel pressured to have to fill their lives with stuff if it's not something they're able to do and they just feel like the pressure of, you know, Halloween social media to do so. So I really think that your low-key and DIY celebrations, Ben, are the true spirit of the season and I hope that more lanterns are inspired by your simple, effective, and just joyous decorations. Thank you so much for the call and for the follow-up eek mail. It's great to hear from you, and please let me know if you ever rented movies from Video Americane in Tacoma Park. <laughs> and finally, Lanterns, I have a fun personal story for you. So this last November, a week after my birthday, it was my partner Isaac's birthday, and it was his 30th birthday, so I wanted to do something really special for him. And I took him on a surprise trip to Joshua Tree. He had never gotten to go to Joshua Tree before, and I got him this really cute Airbnb with, surprise, surprise, he didn't know about this, his friends, our best couple friends, Chip and Casey, who are lanterns, hello if you're listening, and he didn't know they were going to be there, so they got there first and they decorated the whole Airbnb with really cute balloons and streamers and like these great cat buntings because Isaac loves cats and candles and all kinds of cool stuff. So we walked in and we turn, turned on the lights and Chip and Casey jumped out and said surprise, but softly because Isaac's gentle and he doesn't like uh, jump scares. <laughs> so he was really surprised. He was really excited. And it was an incredible few days of just, uh, you know, getting to spend this quality time with our friends who live up in Sacramento, so we don't get to see them as often as we want to. And on the final day of our trip, it was the day before Isaac's exact birthday, we put a surprise dessert bar together for him because he's got a sweet tooth and uh, lined up all of our presents. And my present to Isaac was that I proposed to him with a beautiful watch that I knew he had his eye on but wasn't uh, able to get for himself. And he said yes, and Isaac and I are now engaged, which I'm thrilled about. We've been together for six and a half years. He is absolutely the love of my life. He's been incredibly supportive 
about It's Always Halloween. Well, everything in the world he's very supportive of, but he's been like the non-credited co-producer of this podcast since it was just a really tiny idea in like 19, I was going to say 1919. Oh, surprise, I'm a ghost. <laughs> I've been alive for 124 years trying to put this podcast together. It's so hard. <laughs> um, but he's been helping me with this since like before the pandemic, like coming up with what this was going to look like. And you know, when he helped me so much with Midsummer Scream and he worked all week at his job where he teaches kids and then took a day off and helped me all weekend with Midsummer Scream. And he is an introvert. He and I are opposites when it comes to the amount of attention that we want from people. And he just like sat at this convention with me every day. It was like 12 hours of lots of intensive socializing. And I just... It was such a difficult experience for me, just the amount of work that went into it. And it even wore me down. The fact that he just showed up every day with like a smile on his face and was so willing to help and to talk to people and to step outside of his comfort zone. That's like really what made me realize that he was like a forever partner. So that like, that's exactly what you want in a, in somebody that you want to be with forever. So it's interesting, I feel like, that in part this podcast, um, you know, led me to realizing what an incredible person he is, and uh, so I thought that you guys would appreciate that story, and I'm, <laughs> and I'm choking up because I'm just, like, really in love and really excited, and um, I think I might have mentioned this before, but I had, I was married in my 20s, it was not a good relationship, and it took me like a really long time to recover from and to realize that I did want to get married again, that I could get married again, that I could fall in love again. So if you're out there and you've like struggled uh, in bad relationships or you've been married before and you feel like you can't do it again or you're in a bad marriage, like I see you. It's hard, but life is long and it's full of surprises, just like Halloween and don't give up on yourself. You deserve all the happiness. Everything can be yours. You just have to, uh, you have to stay hopeful. I think that's what a big part of it is. Stay hopeful, try not to be cynical, and keep pursuing your passions. If you focus on your passions, then people will be drawn to them like a moth to a glowing jack-o'-lantern. Okay, guys, that was Romance Corner. <laughs> you all are always so forthwith with your gratitude and thank yous. And I want to show my gratitude to you that you are also helping to create this community. And it's nice to share things with you and to have an ongoing conversation. You know, I've been a stand-up comedian since 2010, so I'm pretty used to talking about my personal life in public, but usually it's from a much more, uh, you know, jokey, less sincere way. So to get to have a space where I can be sincere and I can hear your sincere stories back, it is just really comforting and feels really special. So thank you for helping to create a space where we can talk about our lives with each other along with our joy for Halloween.
Lanterns, you know we are all dying to hear your favorite Halloween memories, general spooky recommendations, your proposal stories. So please give us a call at 802-532-DEAD or drop us that eek mail at it's always Halloween podcast at gmail.com. As I said at the top of the episode, if you love It's Always Halloween, please help us stay independent, ad-free, and sustainable by becoming a podcast patron. Visit patreon.com slash it's always Halloween to pick your level of monthly or annual support. You can also sponsor an episode for yourself, your business, your loved ones, a pet for $30 using our tip jar. Find links to both the Patreon and our tip jar in the show notes. You can also support the podcast by buying the Lantern's Way zine from Displaced Snail or snagging It's Always Halloween merch from our Redbubble. Those links are in our show notes as well. This episode of It's Always Halloween was hosted by me, Luce Tomlin Brenner, with help from your fellow Lantern's Andrew Michael, Renee, Fred, and Ben. Thanks so much for your wonderful contributions. The editing, theme music, and sound design is by my co-producer, the always wonderful Pete Burns. Thanks, Pete. Make sure to check out Pete's new album, Her April, now on Spotify under his artist name, P.B. Those are his initials, Pete Burns, P.B. You can follow the show on Instagram at It's Always Halloween Podcast, me on Instagram and Twitter at LTB Comedy, and Pete at Mittenberries. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe and write us a little review so that other like-minded ghouls can find us. We need some fresh 2023 reviews to dance on the grave of 2022, so please take a minute and write us a couple kind words. We're also on the NPR One app, so subscribe to us there and tell Ira Glass that you love us. Thanks so much for listening to yet another episode of It's Always Halloween, and come back next time, unless you're too busy trying to figure out how to incorporate a horse into this year's Halloween costume. Don't let me stop you. That's important work. Music